Thank you for joining us for Friends and Followers, a podcast brought to you by the Seton Shrine, where stories of those who were inspired by Mother Seton's life and mission are shared. It is our hope that you might find inspiration as well, and a deeper understanding about who Elizabeth Ann Seton is. And you can subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes. We hope that you enjoyed them. Thank you. All right, so today we're going to take a break from um, kind of some heavy podcasts and do a fun sister. Um, This might be a sister that you're already aware of because there is um, several books on her. There's a comic strip on her. There's a TV show on her. Um, She's been mentioned quite a bit. She's known as the fastest nun in the West, so she had quite an exciting life. Yay! (laughs) Okay, the, the only thing I really know about her is that she had an encounter with the most infamous, um, not, not a hero, but we call yeah, someone like hero. the Dark Knight out of Batman, you know, <laughs> that just sort of had that bad side for a yeah. variety. Yeah, yeah, actually, um, so Billy the Kid is who we're talking about. So okay. Billy the Kid. Well, I didn't know we wanted to give away yeah. Billy the Kid yet, but because yeah. that's not the point of this podcast, right. is right. to introduce right. who this sister is. Yeah, so we're going to talk about Sister Blandina, but um, she was a sister of charity. She lived from 1850 to 1941. So we, she is obviously after um, Elizabeth Ann Seton's time. So why are we doing her? We're doing her, I feel like, to connect those sisters. So she was a sister who knew um, Sister Margaret George and Sister Anthony O'Connell. Of course, Sister Margaret George knew Elizabeth Ann Seton so well. Um, and so she she had that introduction to the Sisters of Charity yeah. in Cincinnati. Yeah. And um, she really uh, appreciated them and really took that to heart. So, yeah. so she was born in Italy. She moved here when she was four, right into Seattle, which was um, pretty rough territory oh, really? itself. So she actually moved to Seattle, Washington? Seattle, Ohio. Oh, Seattle, Ohio. Okay, oh, Cincinnati. Sorry. I didn't know there was a Seattle, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I was like, wow, Seattle, Washington? When in so, the 19th century? <laughs> so she came from Italy. <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> to Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. Um, and that apparently is where a lot of um, Italian immigrants were, were moving to at that time. Okay. So her family moves there. Um, they're very poor, very hardworking. And she starts by going to school with the Sisters of Notre Dame and the Sisters of Mercy. But by the time she's a teenager, she is now um, going to Mount St. Vincent, which is the Sisters of Charity mm-hmm. in Cincinnati. Yeah. And it still exists today. It still exists today. And she... Um, she that's where i think she gets to know sister margaret george sister margaret george is still there she's working there she would have known her interesting at that time which is about 1864 anthony o'connell is not there because she's out on the battlefield somewhere and the civil war yeah the american civil war has been occurring for a number of years now right so she's exposed to that so yeah. it sounds to me that she is inspired by the Sisters of Charity and the Works of Mercy, knowing about their dedication because they were serving during the Civil War. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. And I think this is a little bit about Landina, that she had that exciting, adventurous side. Mm-hmm. Um, she 
didn't look at that as something that she would be afraid of doing. She was like, you know, I'll go into the middle of war and, oh, wow. and help people that need to be helped. So I wonder if it's because it's an alternative because she couldn't actually be a soldier. Maybe. Yeah, so she tells her father that as soon as she's old enough, she will become a sister of charity, which at that time was 16. So at 16 years old, she becomes a sister of charity. And, and she's in the Cincinnati area for a while. She's teaching. That was their main objective at that time. Um, Sister Anthony does come back from the war. So I think that's the first time that they kind of got to know each other. But by 1872, she is sent to, um, to Colorado, which was, you know, part of the New Mexico kind of territory at that time. Okay, so she's actually missioned. Mission to Colorado. Right. So to by the Trinidad of Cincinnati, they right. decide to mission her there. Why? What was going on in that area? Um, to teach. She okay. was to teach at that to time. To open a school? Yeah, or? to, to oh, open a school and to teach. And she's only 22 years old. They sent her because she knew Spanish, which there was a lot of people that spoke Spanish at that time in that area. And so they sent her. Um, they sent her by herself. Um, she had wow. a, a so there was no other sister. I, I don't mean to interrupt. There was no other sister that went with her. Eventually, other sisters come okay. come wow. there. Wow, twenty-two um, years old. Yeah, on her own. Yeah, into the wild, wild, wild west. west. <laughs> um, as you know, as they said, this was the home of fortune seekers, soldiers, Civil War veterans, freed slaves, uprooted natives, cowboys, and farmers. This was a very uh, unlawful territory. You know, if you had a gun, you ruled the day, kind of. There really yeah. there really was no law. Yeah. So, so I'm kind of thinking of Dances with Wolves. I mean, not to detract, but, you know, in the beginning, to just, it's yeah. pretty, it, it it's sounds rough. literally rough, rough. and gruesome, yeah. uh, potentially dangerous. Like, it's just dangerous. I think that's the word I was looking for, it's dangerous. Yeah, um, and so she goes, and so she had the motto, do what presents itself and never admit anything because of hardship. So that kind of became her motto. Um, she kind of takes that off of St. Vincent de Paul's charism, like let let us give ourselves to God, do whatever he pleases with us. So, okay. wow. so she really had to put her trust into God right. and that God's loving care is for all of us. Like he is there to care for us, especially in frightening situations. Yeah. So, yeah. And and she admits to being afraid. So her whole time um, in that territory, her diary ends up getting published mm -hmm. um, and it becomes a book called At the End of the Santa Fe Trail. So if anyone wants to read that, it's a really good book. Um, but she talks in that book about the first night when she's on her journey there and she psychs herself out, I think. Like she, it's dark and she's lonely and she's starting to get really scared and she hears like these footsteps and she's so she's getting really scared and then they just open the door and they're like oh there's another person gonna take the carriage with you and, it, and so it ended up being nothing but right. she kind of got herself you know all like we all do that like you can scare that yourself you know <laughs> yeah yeah like, we know so, something could be coming um, at us but we don't know for sure can't speak with clarity yeah um so like telling this story years later to another sister, she said, you know, always keep your chin up and your eyes on God. 
which what does that make you think about mother seat and like look mm-hmm. up love yeah. him trust him you know mm-hmm. and so it's that same kind of thing yeah. of you know just take that moment know that god's with you yes. <laughs> you know so you're bearing yeah um so what she wrote about the west was it was men with money looking to become millionaires land grabbers experienced and inexperienced miners quacks professional deceivers (laughs) publicity men um lauding gold mines that did not exist so um yeah it kind of the same thing what we said before it was just a very tough area it was predominantly men and men who were looking to make money and so not always the most honest man. You know, it was kind of chaos. I guess she had to really learn how to avoid them, would you say? Avoid them and I think get their respect, Yeah. you know, okay. and earn their respect. And so because she does start a school, that was their primary job, and, and she wanted to do that. So um, well, can I ask you a question? I don't want to interrupt, but what is that one story that you really like? Well, there's a, a few stories in there that kind of stuck out to me. Um, one of them um, was when she first got there. So she's 22. Mm-hmm. And she um, she writes that she's teaching. And this little boy, John, comes in. And he's trying to get his sister. He wants his sister. And he just says that his father has shot a man. And so he's afraid and scared. So Sister Blandina... Um, takes them home, I guess. But what she realizes is that this little boy's father is in jail and there's a mob gathering. They want him hung. I mean, they want him killed. Um, The person that he shot in the leg was, um, he was shot with a buckshot. And so I'm just going to show my (laughs) naive here. I have no idea what that means, but apparently it was painful and it meant he was going to die. So, (laughs) um, so, but what she does, which is what's interesting, is she goes to the person that was shot. And through her counsel and talking to him, uh, he was a young Irish man. Um, she convinces him to forgive the shooter and to make like a public statement. So I'm thinking here <laughs> he is dying at this leg has been shot and he's dying. And she convinces him to tell everyone, oh, I forgive him. You know, and and what that does then is it it spares um, this man's life that's in jail. Like people are okay with that. Well, if you're okay with it, then we're okay with it. Um, and you know, and then the the killer or the guy that did it, John's father, is remorseful, mm-hmm. and he and he then like apologizes, and and so it's this whole scene of them coming to this understanding and forgiveness and all yeah. of that. So it was years later that the sisters in Cincinnati find a letter from this little girl, you know, thanking Sister Blandina for that, praising her for being so courageous to take control of that situation and basically spare her father's life. Oh, wow. You know, and and so you see that ripple effect of how this not only bettered the life of the man she saved, but also his children you know, ended up having a better life. And yeah. so these are things that and she not, did without thinking about it. I mean, yeah. she just did it. Well, I'm just saying, it's not even just burying the man's life and the generation to come after in that family, but it's also sort of forgiveness can really do amazing things on somebody's soul. Right. right? You're not hoarding the bad and the negative 
and the fear, like you just let it go and give it up to God. Right. And with in order to do that, you have to forgive. Right. And I know that's not our whole message today, but <laughs> I just wanted to say, like, I'm wondering if her maturity, because like you said, she was 22. 22. I'm wondering, you know, again, we're seeing a maturity in understanding God's will, what God wants for us here on earth, yeah. and the path that people take, that she has this astounding maturity about it that's similar to other scenes. It is similar to other scenes. What we were talking about, like just um, being totally submitting to the will of God. Mm -hmm. um, you can see that for these sisters that came after Mother Seaton. It was a lesson that she taught them. Mm -hmm. And Sister Blandina, okay, you want me to go <laughs> to this wild west? Um, okay, I'll yeah. go. Um, and, and to know what is right. A lot of times we know what is right in a situation. We're not brave enough to stand up and help someone. Mm -hmm. um, it takes a lot of courage to do that. And yeah. and she too, that mindset of, well, I'm not afraid to die. I'm not afraid to face this killer, mm -hmm. you know? And so- like And going back into her own motto, you know, do what presents itself and never omit anything because of hardship is what right. she said. Right. I wrote it down. <laughs> Sorry. I thought it was a good motto. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's that whole thing of, you know, what is hard? What is hard? Is this hard? Is this really hard? Or are you afraid? It's not that hard to go talk to someone and get them to try to forgive someone. It's just not all of us are brave enough to do that. You know, so and then, okay, so is there a story though that you could share with us relating to Billy the kid? Yeah, so she has a couple encounters with him. Um, and the first time she encounters him is she actually helps one of his men. She like nurses him back to health. And, you know, and Billy, the kid was like, you know, anytime my pals and I can serve you, you'll find us ready. And he was really thankful for that. And I think he had respect for her as a sister. Um, so I, so she does that because she did what was right. Right. It wasn't, she didn't let this man die because he was a, a bad guy or he had killed other people. He needed help. She helped him. And so Billy the Kid was grateful for that. So there's this encounter. She's coming back actually with the priest um, to Santa Fe. She's traveling in this carriage and they start to hear, you know, the horse's hooves and they start, it's coming up around them and everybody in the carriage is getting scared and um, they realize it's Billy the Kid. And so um, the priest that was with her, the carriage driver, they like pull out their guns and they're like, Even ready? The yeah, they're ready to have this, like, whatever's going to happen, happen. And she's like, no, 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 I'll take care of it. So as he kind of rides up next to her, she moves back her bonnet so he can see that it's her. And she just waves at him. Which I think is so interesting. She just gives a little wave. Um, he recognizes her, kind of waves back. And then they do cut them off. And so they pull over and they end up talking about horses and all <laughs> this conversation. So here he was probably thinking, okay, we are going to, to steal from this carriage. And probably and like, oh, oh, this is right. the I'm going to put my good angel on his shoulder <laughs> and do what's right. Yeah, and pro probably have killed them, you know. Wow. And and it does sound like she, she was, it was one of those situations, like they're nervously talking about horses and broncos and all this kind of stuff um and then as soon as billy the kid and his gang leave they like get back in the carriage and 
hightail it to Santa Fe as fast as they can, which hence the name Fast is Not in the West. <laughs> because she still was like, I'm not really sure. Right. You know, I'm not really sure. And he could still spare me and kill everyone else or well, whatever. So Yeah, and in and in that sense, like he was part of a game. And while he might have been the leader, you never know what the other game members would have reacted to. Right. You know? Right. They could have come back around, circle back up, disagree with Billy the Kid and yeah, well, right. we'll get into that, but that's right. amazing. So did he end up staying in Santa Fe for her entire life? No, she's only there um, until 1894, so for about 22 years she's in that area. And so she goes from Colorado down to New Mexico. I mean, she kind of covers that whole territory right. okay. in those 22 years, and that's, like, really what makes her and so exciting. And she's teaching, that's her primary ministry, is teaching? Yeah, yeah. Okay. teaching. Cool. She meets, like, all these people, like Geronimo, she meets Geronimo. She has an encounter, you know, oh. with Geronimo. And then Lou Wallace, who wrote Ben-Hur, uh -huh. and he was governor of that territory. She was a friend of his. So she just kind of happened into these situations where she was around these people that, you know, um, were pretty impressive themselves, you know, yeah. and she just kept doing it. So I think hearing her stories is where people – get so fascinated by that. And a lot of people are really fascinated by the Wild West anyway. And mm -hmm. so that's where I think you have the comic book and, you know, and the yeah. books and stuff like that. Well, that's great that she wrote everything down. But in when you were reading that book, did she have a primary message? Well, it's still, it's still that same theme that goes all the way through of help whoever is in need. And okay. you do that whether, and you educate them and you, you give them a better life through education or helping them with sicknesses or, and she just, just kept working all the time. And she doesn't stop when she comes back to Cincinnati. She does make the comment that in the years that she's been gone, it is no longer like this desert town. Basically it has become a city. Mm -hmm. um, there are things happening in the city. The Italians that have been living there, the Italian immigrants are having a hard time. So, and what I didn't mention earlier is that Sister Blandina's actual sister also became a sister of charity. Okay. She became Sister Justina. So the two of them are working in Cincinnati to really help the Italian immigrants. Um, and so she, she does go back to visit. She goes to Albuquerque one other time to open a school. But for the most part, she spends the rest of her life in Cincinnati. Okay. Um, in 1931, she's asked to take this petition of these signatures for Mother Seton, the petition oh, to wow. become, uh, to be recognized or at least considered for sainthood. Um, and wow. so she does that at 81 Oh, wow. which I think would be a tough trip today. I can't imagine what that was like in 1931. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, for someone 81. No, yeah. There's no yeah. airplane. Yeah. Right. Like she would have had to travel by boat. Yeah. Yeah. But then so, again, William McGee Seaton was on his deathbed practically. He still traveled across. Yeah. The I think ocean. they were more resilient than we are today, perhaps. I mean, they seem to travel. Oh, I mean, we've marveled at Mother Seton going, you know, across the ocean or some of these yeah. people going back and forth across the ocean multiple times. So it probably really wasn't. Yeah. It didn't phase her. Yeah. All. But wait, wait. You said that she was from Italy and she right. came to the U.S. when she was four. Right. So she probably had like a renewed energy, maybe. 
she want to go. Yeah, is because it, is while it her she's there, going back to her homeland. Yeah, and while oh, she's wow. there, not only just talking to the Pope about Mother Seton's calls mm -hmm. and pleading her case, but she visits her hometown. She gets to see it again, and wow. and this is all paid for, by the way, by her former students. They all raise the money for her travel and for her to be able to see to see all these things in Italy like while she's there. Back. Yeah, yeah. And supporting the petition for Mother Seaton to become a saint. I'm, I'm very curious, did she ever write anything relating to Mother Seaton? Um, not that like, I can find, not no, that not I can, can find. find. Um, and I scoured a lot besides the books. I went through newspaper articles and all kinds of other articles, just trying to find something, especially at that 1931 time period. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's, I can't, I couldn't find anything. I'm not saying it's not out there, but I looked at a lot. Um, and it just said that she traveled there. I think it was for, as far as Mother Seton's calls, it was just another step. Um, but by looking at her life, you know, there's so much that that is written about her and making her life very adventurous and exciting and all of that. But for her, I think it, it goes back to even when she was a child and her mother saying her mother said and as a newborn her mother had presented her um to our lady and she said to help mankind mother um mother mary to comfort the sorrowful to harbor the harborless to visit the sick to teach her ways to mankind this is what she wanted for her daughter and you see that through what she did and and she's like it is an exciting life because even when she's back in Cincinnati, she gets involved with helping human trafficking, which wow. I had no idea was even happening in the early 1900s, wow. but it was. Um, and so she responded to the needs of whoever asked her for help, regardless of who they were. So people living in poverty, needing education, suffering at the hands of human traffickers, belonging to other religions or no religion, immigrants and prisoners, Native Americans all received her same respect and attention. So to me, this was this echoed, this echoed yeah. Mother Seton when she was coming from um, Baltimore to here and starting her sisterhood. What did she write her best friend? She says, so far I can express, but to speak the joy of my soul at the prospect of being able to assist the poor, visit the sick, comfort the sorrowful, clothe the innocents and teach them to love God. Yeah, that it's, was Elizabeth. Yeah, so it's the same. And then she pretty much doing the same. So even though she didn't have a direct connection to Elizabeth Ann Seaton, right. or none that she had reflected upon, she was still a follower because she was inspired by right. the Sisters of Charity, charism of charity, right. works. Right. And she knew Margaret Sister Margaret George, George, who knew, knew Elizabeth Ann Seaton. Yeah. She was a friend of Elizabeth Ann Seaton, but right. she really did that category of being a follower. Right. And too. I remember Margaret George was the one that was so insistent on doing it the way that Mother Seton wanted it done. Yeah, that's true. You know, and to the fact that she trained some of the sisters from Convent Station. Yeah. You know, and so she trained her sisters that way. So that's who Sister Blandina learned from. That's, you know, and so you see that follow through. Yeah. Um, there was one, a review that was written. Um, in 1934, by the way, um, about the, her book at the end of the Santa Fe Trail. And it said, inspiring record of educational and charitable work carried on for many years in Colorado and New Mexico for Indian and Mexicans. 
Catholic and non-Catholic, rich and poor, the criminal and the law-abiding, page after page bears witness to the initiative, the faith, and the intrepid courage of this true daughter of Mother Seton. So, I mean, it was so easy to recognize that she was so similar to Mother Seton. Now, their circumstances in some ways were different. I mean, Mother Seton didn't have people pointing guns at her, but that same courage to go to a place you had never been to, to go to a place that was so different than what you were used to mm -hmm. your entire life. Like and, a difficult situation. Yeah, and to yeah. and just to have that courage. My mother yeah. Seton went from being a socialite in New York to being here, walking the mountains, looking for people that that needed help. Yeah. You know, but so. that's because, you know, she knew that it was God's work. Right. And that's the same perspective that Blandina had. Right. That this is still God's work. Right. Right. The same thing. You go where you're needed. Yeah. And you do what you have to do. Now yeah. I have to read that book. <laughs> so. Yeah. I know that um, there is a sister of charity today that is actually working on putting together sort of like a biography slash novel of about Sister Blandina. Well, yeah, Sister Blandina is one part of it. You're talking about Sister Judy Metz. Sister right? Judy Metz, yeah. Yeah, so she's doing research on the sisters that traveled west. Mm -hmm. And again, just those ripple effects that you see that you were uh, alluding to earlier with Sister Blandina, you save one life, you spare that life. And, okay. and the ripple effects of what becomes of that, that witness to his little girl, you know, as an adult made her a better person a person that was so thankful to the Sisters of Charity, what did she teach her kids and her grandchildren? And and that story that's probably still part of that family. And you see that, you know, the sisters made such an impact here with education. Yeah. And then you see that in the Civil War with their health care changed lives, made them better. And then you see that as they moved across the country. Okay. So, she, so Sister Judy is actually working together and pretty this book like on the sisters of the West. That moved West that and, moved and West. how that changed, again, people's lives, which is what yeah. they do through educating them Even the and country. through helping them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to try to keep a lookout for that. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure how far she is into the research, no, but, but it would be an interesting read when it does come out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll have to get her on here to mm -hmm. talk about it. But thank you for bringing up to Blandina. I never really had a chance to read up on her at all. I know that we have a small little display here at the Seton Shrine in the mm -hmm. museum because she is on the pathway to be canonized yeah. saint. Didn't even mention um, she's that. She's a yeah. servant, servant, servant of, of God, God right now. Yeah. But there is a crusade for her as well to be a saint. Right. So she would make, she would actually be the second saint coming from the order of the Sisters of Charity. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I think that's exciting. Yeah, it, and when she went to Rome in 1931, there were people saying, well, she should be a saint herself, you know, so because of the work she had already done. So yeah. she was, she's been recognized for a long time. Um, it is interesting, we were talking, when we start recording about, you know, Mother Seton 200 years ago, you know, and she passed away, but yet, here we have this sister that died in 1941. You know, there's sisters today that are living that knew her and she knew people that knew Mother Seton. It makes it feel so yeah. much closer together. Right. You know, it doesn't 
make it seem that far. It's like through Sister Blandina, you're like two steps to Mother Seton or three steps to Mother Seton. Wow. So, um, you, you wow, it's, it's like a parallel because <laughs> we right now we do the simple math of well, how many years did it actually take Mother Seton to become a saint? It was yeah. 154 years, right? And she died in 1941, right? And she's already on the crusade of canonization, but hopefully it won't take 154 years. Yeah, I hope not. But, but, saints, that's, but it's know. the same thing, like people who knew her, I mean, we know people ourselves right. that lived during such a Blandina's time. Right. And I'm just, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Makes it's it so much time can all yeah. come in together. Like, yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, I think people become saints when you need them the most. Um, she is someone that I think we need because of her bravery, her courage, and her treating everyone the same. Yeah. Like just, yeah. let's just educate and treat people well. Well, I think we should just let people take away with the same motto that Sister Blandina followed. Do what presents itself and never omit anything because of hardship. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Thank you. You're welcome. Right. Catch everybody one. next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye.